Hello and welcome. You are listening to the teaching ministry of Coastal Oaks Church in Rockport, Texas. It is our hope that you will be encouraged and that your desire to follow Jesus Christ will be challenged and strengthened as you listen to this podcast. For more information on location, service times, and what to expect on your next visit, go to coastaloakschurch.org. Now, grab your Bible and study along with us as you listen. And you can be seated. I invite you to open your Bibles to Romans chapter 13. Romans 13. We're working our way through this book. We're in the very practical section of Paul's letter to the church at Rome. Back in 1984, on the eve of the election for president, a very popular, famous preacher, writer, preached a sermon about it. What he said was, tomorrow, or today, the election day, can be the second most important day in your life. He said the first most important day is when you trust Christ as Savior, and the second most important day is if you go to the polls and vote for my candidate. Now, he didn't have to say his candidate. All he had to say was that the second most important day. It shows you how people view voting, view their responsibility as citizens. And we're going to read in chapter 13 of Romans what Paul has to say to the church at Rome about our responsibility to governing authorities. There's really two extremes. You have some who preach Christians should stay out of politics, and you have others who say that Christians should be incredibly involved in politics, and that's how that one pastor Saw it, and I believe there's to be a a balance here. So you follow along as I read aloud. Listen to what Paul has to say to the church at Rome and God's Holy Spirit to us today. Everyone must submit to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those who exist are instituted by God. So then, the one who resists authority, the authority, is opposing God's command. And those who oppose it will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have its approval. For government is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, because it does not carry the sword for no reason. For government is God's servant, an avenger that brings wrath on the one who does wrong. Therefore, you must submit, not only because of wrath, but, because of your con- but also because of your conscience. And for this reason, you pay taxes, since the authorities are God's public servants continually attending to these tasks. Pay your obligations to everyone, taxes to those you owe taxes, tolls to those you owe tolls, respect to those you owe respect, and honor to those you owe honor. This may be the first time you've ever read that passage or thought on that passage. Paul is very clear about what he wants to say to us about those governing authorities. So we're going to, first of all, look at the principle, and then we're going to look at some exceptions to that principle and then some examples. So first of all, let's look at the biblical principle concerning authority. The biblical principle concerning authority. Number one, first of all, all authority is from God. How do I know that? Verse 1, everyone must submit to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. Here's the truth. God established human government. 
God established three institutions, basically, the, the home, marriage, government, and ultimately the church. He established that because we're sinners and we need to have some guidance, some boundaries, some authority over us. That's pretty powerful. All authority comes from God. Second truth, the governing authorities are God's servants. The governing authorities are God's servants. In verse 4, he says, government is God's servant for your good. He goes on to say at the end of that verse, government is God's servant. That word servant is the same word we get our word deacon from. Some translations translate it ministers. That the government is God's servant, placed with this responsibility. Now, we may not be able to say that we can respect that person who's in government. Some people don't even respect the government, but Paul says we're to do that anyway because all authority comes from God and they are God's servants. Let me say this. I've prayed about what to say today. I don't want this to be my opinion, okay? I want us to stick with the truth of God's word, but the Bible is clear that the government is God's servant. The government is not our savior. You understand that? We, we have this tendency to think if we can just get the right people in place, everything will be good, and, 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 and that may be, life may be better if the right people are in place, if they're godly people, if they have godly Christian morals and values, yes, but the government is not our savior. Our, our fate does not rest on the government. It rests in our, our commitment to Christ as Savior. We need to hear that. Chuck Colson said it this way. He said, many Christians, like most of the populace, believe that the political structures can cure all of our ills. The fact is, however, that government by its very nature is limited in what it can accomplish because it is a servant to God. But God puts it in place there to be some boundaries for our good there and ultimately to punish evil, to punish wrong. Authority comes from God. Governing authorities are servants. Thirdly, God commands us to submit to governing authorities. Do you see that in verse 1? Everyone must submit to the governing authorities. You might say, well, Paul, that's easy for you to say. You don't know what our government is like in America today. You don't know how corrupt politicians are. You don't know how difficult it is. Well, let's just rewind a little bit and talk about Paul's context that he says this in. He's writing to the church at Rome. He, some, some have said that Paul is naive. He's not naive. He had already suffered oppression and had suffered punishment from the Roman government. Ultimately, imprisonment from the Roman government. Paul knew what it was to be oppressed. He, the, the church at Rome, as Paul writes these words to them, a few years before this, we looked at that in our background to the, to the, to the letter uh, in, in chapter 1, that the, the emperor Claudius, I think it was Claudius, had, had expelled all the Jews from Rome. Because what had happened was, they didn't understand at the time, they saw Christianity as just a part of the Jewish sect, as Christians started to worship, there started to be riots with the Jews and the people. And so they, they pushed them out. There was so much oppression from that government, they were pushed out. They were treated terribly. They were told that they had to say, Caesar is Lord instead of Jesus is Lord. Paul knew what it was like to be in an oppressive government. Yet he said, all authority, all government comes from God. We need to submit. And I believe the best 
understanding of that word submit. Some translations say be subject is to have is to have an attitude of submission. An attitude of submission. Stephen J. Cole said it this way, we need to be careful not to become overly enamored with a particular political party or candidate. The church should not posture itself as Republican or Democrat, and I would add whatever, libertarian, independent, whatever you've got. Neither party is thoroughly biblical. There is a mixture of good and evil in both parties, all, as in all candidates. Even if they're Christians, we are fallen sinners who are susceptible to the lust of power and prestige. Don't put your faith in a person. Don't put your faith in a government. Christ is our Savior. But we are to submit. We're to have an attitude of submission to the government. He even goes on to say, if you rebel against the government, you're rebelling against God's authority. Fourthly, observing the law is a positive testimony for Christ. To follow the law. Verse 5 says, therefore, you must submit not only because of wrath, because of your conscience. There is, this, there is this testimony. When we obey the law, there's a testimony that, that that authority is there, placed by God, and it honors God. In 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter said this, submit to every human authority because of the Lord. Whether to the emperor, there we go, Rome, as a supreme authority, or to governors as they're sent out, By him to punish those who do what is evil, to praise those who do what is good. For it is God's will that you silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good. In other words, you live a godly life in submission to the authorities are there, and God's going to get the glory. Now, we could just stop right there and let those points sink in for the rest of the day, right? I can can hear the questions, but what about, what about, what about, what if, what if, what if? I believe that in this passage of Scripture, Paul is not saying absolutely 100% every law that's out there is to be obeyed because we're going to look at some biblical exceptions to that, all right? We've learned that every Scripture should be interpreted by other Scriptures. So we're going to take some other Scripture and help us understand the extent of what Paul is saying here. So I think the, the underscore what Paul is saying is the authority comes from God. I'm to, I'm to submit to that authority because it is a, a servant of God. So it's number, verse 7, it's number 2 in your outline if you're following along. Let's look at the biblical exception to this principle. The biblical exception to the principle. When he mentions in verse 7 there, we're to pay our obligations to everyone. Taxes to those we owe taxes. Tolls to who we owe tolls. He mentions respect and honor there. In Matthew chapter 22... Jesus said this, therefore give back to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. I I believe Paul is kind of capturing the sense of what Jesus said. And what he's saying is there's some things that government is to be respected for. There's some things we're to obey, but there's some things that come into, into conflict with that. And we're to honor that. It's echoing Jesus' teaching. Some have said in in this passage there are two indications or two hints that that Paul is trying to say there will be exceptions to this when he echoes Jesus' teaching there. Pay your taxes to everyone, he says. Tolls to those, respect to those. He said there are some things that you can do and you can be obedient and you can do it without compromising your Christian convictions. But there's some other things that you have to be careful of. When he mentions in verse 4 there, government is God's servant for your good, but if you do wrong, be afraid because it does not carry the sword for no reason. There's this sense there that government has this responsibility to operate morally. 
Now, Paul could say about that pagan government, they're an immoral government because they're saying Caesar's Lord. We could say about some of our government that we disagree with some of that. But he's saying this, there's an implication here that government, if you're in a place of authority, responsibility, you need to be a good steward of that. And we need to hold our our, uh, government to those standards and call them to that and continue to lift that up but remembering that they're not our Savior. In Acts chapter 5, we're going to look at this in a minute where uh, Peter and John are told not to preach and they, and, and they just say, we're going, to, we're going to obey God rather than men. Rather than men. So let's look at some of these, these statements about these exceptions, all right? First of all, believers have a responsibility to obey God's law when there is direct, specific conflict with man's law because God's law is higher. That's implied in what Paul is saying here. I must obey God's law when it conflicts with man's law because God's law is higher. Do you understand that? When God's law, when man's law is calling on me to do something that is immoral, that is unethical, that goes against my convictions, I am to instead obey God's law. That's what Jesus was talking about. I think about Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a great German theologian and scholar who was arrested and put in prison, ultimately executed by Hitler because he was a part of that plot to assassinate Hitler because he saw that as, as taking care of an evil there and he, he saw and he justified his involvement in that because, because of his responsibility as a Christ follower. So believers have a responsibility to obey God's law when it conflict, conflicts with man's law. Secondly, this exception that we're talking about exists only when, and I'm wording it this way, these two ways, the law of man requires an act that is contrary to God's word. When the law of man, when the government requires that we do something that goes against God's word, it's contrary to God's word, that's when there's this exception to submit to the authorities, to obey, to do what the authorities say. Back about 15 years ago, there was a situation in Laos where Christians were being forced to fill out a form And this is part of that form. It said, I, they put their name in there, who live in, they put their location, believe in a foreign religion. This is what they ask Christians to sign. I believe in a foreign religion, which the imperialists have used for their own benefit to divide the united front and to build power for themselves against the local authorities. Now, I and my family clearly see the intentions of the enemy and regret the deeds that we have committed. We have clearly seen the goodness of the party and the government Therefore, I and my family voluntarily and unequivocally resign from believing in this foreign religion. In other words, Christians were being asked to sign a document that said, we renounce Christ and we make the government Lord. That's requiring you to go against a specific command and conviction of Scripture. Do you see that? At at that point, the Christians say, we cannot do that because that goes against our convictions and the Word of God. The second uh, statement about an exception is that exception exists when the law of man prohibits an act that's consistent with God's word. So let's say the law of man says you cannot do this. You cannot worship anymore. That goes against God's word, doesn't it? That's where where we say we have to obey God's law and not man's law. Where, Where someone in an Islamic country is told you cannot read your Bible. You cannot read your Bible to submit to that authority to go against the Word of God. So that's the exception. And, and it doesn't mean that you can disobey the law when it doesn't suit you. 
that you can disobey the law when it doesn't doesn't make you, it makes you get out of your comfort zone. It means when it specifically goes contrary to Scripture or is requiring you to do something that goes contrary to Scripture or forbidding you to do something that Scripture commands, all right? Now, let's look at some biblical examples of this exception. Just a few. First of all, the Hebrew midwives and their refusal to obey Pharaoh's command. Do you remember the story in Exodus chapter 1? Verse 16, Pharaoh's word to the midwives who were helping the Hebrews give birth. When you help the Hebrew women give birth, observe them as they deliver. If the child is a son, kill him. But if it is a daughter, she may live. The Hebrew midwives, however, feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt had told them. So they let the boys live. So the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked them, why have you done this and let the boys live? And the midwives said to Pharaoh, the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. They are vigorous and give birth before a midwife can get to them. They lied. So God was good to the midwives and the people multiplied and became very numerous. They said, we cannot obey this edict to kill babies. Sound familiar? We're going to take a stand Even if it means we go against our government, we're going to say the life of these infants is more important than what you say. Second example in Scripture, Daniel. Daniel's refusal to obey both Nebuchadnezzar and later Darius. In the book of Daniel, chapter 1, remember the story. Daniel and the the Hebrew young men were there, and they were told to uh, obey the king's diet in verse... um, Verse 8, Daniel determined that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine he drank, so he asked permission from the chief official not to defile himself. And God granted Daniel favor and compassion from the chief official. He refused to obey Nebuchadnezzar's commands because their dietary restrictions as Hebrew young men, it would go against that. And then if you'll jump all the way to Daniel chapter 6, well, don't jump, but you can turn the page. Someone said, turn over in your Bible. How do you do that? Just turn to that page, all right? Chapter 6 of Daniel. Look at verse 7. This is where Daniel's with King Darius. May King Darius live forever. All the administrators of the kingdom, the prefects, the satraps, the advisors, and governors have agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an edict that for 30 days, anyone who petitions any god or man except you, the king, will be thrown into the lion's den. Remember the story? Here's what he's saying. No one can pray to anyone except the king. Verse 10. When Daniel learned that the, government, that the document had been signed, in other words, made a law, he went into his house. The windows of its upper room opened toward the, uh, Jerusalem. And three times a day he got down on his knees and he prayed and he gave thanks to his God. Verse 16 says, the king gave the order when they found out about this, they threw Daniel into the lion's den. And the king said, may your God whom you serve rescue you. Verse 19, at the first light of the dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. Then when he reached it and he cried out to anguish to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God. And the king said, is your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? Then Daniel spoke with the king, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth. They haven't hurt me, for I was found, listen to this, innocent before him. Also, I have not committed a crime against you, my king. So Daniel 
disobeyed, even though he says, I didn't commit a crime against you, king, because ultimately the, the administrators and the government are the ones that came up with that law. He obeyed God rather than man. He refused to obey. Thirdly, let's look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember their story, refusing to obey Nebuchadnezzar's decree. It's in Daniel chapter 3. In this situation, a herald proclaimed, people of every nation and language, you're commanded. When you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the drum, every kind of music, you're to fall down and worship the gold statue that Nebuchadnezzar has set up. But whoever does not fall down and worship him immediately will be thrown into the, fiery, the, the furnace of blazing fire. You have to worship this statue. When you hear the music, when you hear the band, bow down to this statue. The Bible says... They didn't do it. Verse 11, whoever does not fall down in worship will be thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. There are some Jews you have appointed to manage the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men have ignored you, the king, and they do not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you've set up. You know the story, they were thrown into the furnace, and the Bible goes on to record how God rescued them. They disobeyed the government decree because it said you must worship the government. And then lastly, last example. Aren't you glad I just picked four? Peter and John's refusal to obey the council. Where is the book of Acts? There it is. Acts chapter 4. Maybe you remember this story. The early days of the church, Peter and John with excitement and boldness and enthusiasm come before the Sanhedrin. Sanhedrin, in verse 18, they called for, for them, they called for Peter and John and ordered them not to preach or teach at all about the name of Jesus. Here's what the government says, you cannot teach or preach about Jesus. I love verse 19, but Peter and John answered them, whatever is right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than to God, you decide, for we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. And after threatening them further, they released them, found no way to punish them because the people we're all giving glory to God over what had been done. They refused to obey the council. At this point, the, it's a, the, a, the Jewish Sanhedrin, some, it's the Jewish government there. But do you see, there are times when a Christian has to say, enough is enough. I cannot do that because it goes against the word of God, it goes against my convictions. Or I must do this because I'm commanded in your word to do that. Now let me just wrap up some common biblical examples here or some common factors, I'm sorry, in those examples that we just looked at. First of all, there was a direct, specific conflict between God's law and man's law. A direct, specific conflict between God's law and man's law. Before you say, I'm not going to obey the government, be careful. It's not just because you feel that they're too big, or that they've, they've, they're doing some things that inconvenience you. It's because there's a direct conflict between God's law and man's law. Secondly, in, in all of those examples, their convictions touched every area of their lives. Daniel, Peter, John, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, those people, their convictions were deep. And those decisions they made touched every area of their life. It wasn't just by convenience. I think about when I was just about draft age and the Vietnam War was wrapping up and... Um, 
got my draft card and, and I, I knew of people who said they're not going to go to the war because they objected. And, and it's interesting, they objected and, and stood against that, yet they said their conscience kept them from doing it. Yet their conscience didn't keep them from doing some, some other things. I wonder, well, what is it about your conscience? Our, we're talking about where it deeply affects every area of your life. Third commonality in these biblical examples of, of, of rejecting the authority, uh, not obeying the authority. They acted with respect and courtesy even when they disobeyed the authority. Think about that one for a minute. I love it as Daniel approaches the, the servant of the king with, a, with an attitude of, could you present our case this way? Where Peter and John before the Sanhedrin say, you can make up your decision, but this is our conviction. There wasn't, they weren't belligerent. They, they weren't uh, militant. They acted with respect and courtesy. I think that's what Paul says. In, well, I know that's what Paul says in, the, in verse 7 there in, in chapter 13. Respect those you owe respect. Honor those to whom you owe honor. Even Daniel in that situation tried to keep the, the, the servant from getting in trouble for giving them a different diet. Respect, honor. And then the last common characteristic, they were willing to suffer. And most of them did, by the way. They were willing to suffer the consequences for disobeying man's law. Peter and John were in threat of prison. Daniel, the lion's den. The three Hebrew young men, the fiery furnace. They said, and I, I'd love to preach that whole sermon on the, the, the three, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, because basically they said it's a win-win for us. Look, if, if we go to the fire and we die, we get to be with our Lord. If we go in the fire and we live, we get to live for our Lord. Sounds like Paul, doesn't it? For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. I'm just going to give you these last things, and I, I, I'm not going to preach this last part of the sermon. I wanted you to have this list. Because I think there's a principle here that, that I don't want to leave unsaid that there are other authorities in our lives, and it may not be the government. It may be an employer. It may be a school administrator. It may be somebody who is in authority in your life, and they may be asking you as a believer to do some things that go against your convictions, or they may be telling you you can't do something that goes against your convictions. So here's some principles, some guidelines for responding when an authority asks you to go against God's law. First of all, check your attitude and clear your conscience. That's what Daniel did. He went to the Lord in prayer to make sure nothing was wrong in his life. Secondly, discern the authority's basic intentions. I think I'm giving those scriptures too. Are they noted in your outline if you want to look them up? Discern the authority's basic intentions. Daniel basically said, why is it that you want us to, to go on the king's diet? Because we want you to be healthy. And he said, well, our God will keep us healthy if we go on our diet. Find out why the authority is asking you to do that. It may be that it's something you can work out, and that's the next, next thing to do here. Design creative alternatives. Daniel did that. He came up with a plan. We, so many times we, we make a big deal about how we're not going to do what they tell us to do because it goes against our convictions. Well, step into the role of the authority and say, how could you honor them? How could you find a way to do what they want and still not go against your convictions? And then the next one, number four, appeal to the authority. Appeal to the authority. 
go to them and say, can we work something out? Can we talk about this? Opportunity to share your faith. Next, give God time to change the authority's mind. Let God work in his heart. Ask God to work in her, her heart or his heart. Realize that it's God's Holy Spirit who's going to do the convicting, not you. And then lastly, suffer for not doing wrong. Be willing to suffer. Be willing to lose your job. Be willing to, to lose that responsibility. Be willing to not get that promotion because you've done what God called you to do. Government is a servant of God. There will be exceptions. Be sure you're discerning about those exceptions. Pastor Leith Anderson has written quite a bit. In one of his books, The Jesus Revolution, he tells a story about this tension that sometimes exists between obeying God and obeying the law of the land. They were traveling to a communist country on a mission trip, and they had a direct flight to their destination. They, they, uh, but they had to stay. They did not have a direct flight, so they had to stay in a neighboring country. And some Christians in that country asked them if they would take some Bibles and Christian literature into the underground church. And they knew it was illegal, and so those Christians in that country said, well, you just pray about what to do. So he and his team prayed about what to do. Listen to what he said. Overnight, I made a decision. A Bible or two might be risky, but not impossible. However, I wasn't prepared for the following morning's delivery. So the books that they asked him to bring in said it was a small library of books, Bibles, books about Christianity, study tools, videos. I truly can't explain why we did what we did, but we divided up the Bibles, the books, and the videos among the four of us, and we loaded up every available space in our suitcases, our carry-on bags, and our purses. It was not a comfortable experience. When nearing our destination, the flight attendants distributed the customs forms representing our names, passports, passport numbers, and the answers to certain pointed questions. They give you that form when you're on the airplane about to land. Were we bringing any guns, narcotics, or literature into the country? The four of us sat paralyzed over what to write. If we said we were not bringing literature, we were lying. If we checked that we were bringing books and Bibles, we were in serious trouble. It was one of those moments when the Holy Spirit gave a simple solution that we would not have to have thought about by ourselves. We simply didn't answer the question. We left it blank. I can't say that we were confident in our choice, but that's what we did. As we passed through immigration, surrounded by armed guards and immigration officers, our forms were carefully scrutinized. And all four of us were waved through. What I remember next is a secret night meeting when we turned over the Bibles and the literature to those Christians from the underground church. Their faces still remain with me all my life. He says, you may want to criticize my lack of courage or condemn my actions as dishonest, but for me, I was suddenly in the sandals of Peter and John who said, judge for yourselves whether it's right in God's sight to obey you rather than God, for we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and what we've heard. Sometimes, God allows us to be in a place where we have to act. Let's pray together.